0: We did. A, we've been doing this sermon series called "Coming to Jesus," and I know that there's been a you know a, a lot of different aspects of coming to Jesus. We've talked about um, coming to Jesus for our daily bread. That we would need to awaken and and actually come to Jesus every day. That that He's our our our, our provider. He's not just a supplement. He's the main course, and uh, and sometimes we find ourselves. You know, we only came to Jesus that moment. We we said that sinner's prayer. We said that we, we we got our ticket into heaven, but we 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 stopped having heaven come into us, and we didn't have that daily communion. and And some of us, we maybe we even just came to Jesus like once a week. We we would come to Jesus at, at worship and feel so good, and we feel refreshed, and then we would spend days and days and days without actually communing with the Lord. But uh, but 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 Jesus has pointed out that we need to come to him every day. He's our daily bread. His words, they are life. And, uh, and so we, we talked about that. We talked about uh, uh, Jesus, you know, being thrown to Jesus. Where like, you know, it's not that we actually come on our own accord, but it's like, you know, our circumstances, our decisions, or the, sometimes our consequences, sometimes society's rejection of us has put us at Jesus' feet like the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus takes us anyway, just as we are we talk about Jesus pursuing us that that not only is 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 are, are we coming to Jesus but Jesus is after us we call him like the hound of heaven right because cuz we're marked he, he you got to run from God because if you don't run from him he's just going to, he wants to he wants to encompass you he wants to fill you he loves you he has an eternal love for you and so I, I'm like, Jesus, you know, what, what else do you want to say? I don't want to give you like, I don't want to, I could like do like packet sermon series and just be like, you know, which, are, which isn't like a bad thing, but you know, I, I, I could just like plan out the next 10 weeks, everything I'm going to say, which would be a lot of work, but it'd be so much easier. Um, and, but I want it to give you fresh words. I want to know, God, what are you saying to our church right now in this season? What are you saying in, in our city? And, uh, and so and so, uh, you know, I'm praying and, 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 and the Lord says, you know, tell him to get out of the boat. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, a, a sermon about Peter getting out of the boat. I mean, that's so cliche. Everyone's heard that, you know, like, how, do, how are we going to, you know, and, and, and he said, Paul, not Peter, Jonah. I said, Jonah. I said, okay, I got to do some studying, God, you know, I got to. Okay, because Jonah's a difficult book. It's so, I, you know, I, I feel so, I'm so grateful for the Saturday night crew who come to church on Saturday nights because they get like the, the draft version, you know? Because I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, I said that. I don't know if I really even said that right, you know? And so Sunday morning, a, you guys get like the, you're smart, you come on Sundays, you get a more refined version. Um, but, you know, I, I watch these, you know, I, I watched, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament and you read it and you're like, these, these people are just so dumb. It's so easy. There's not much that they have to do here. It's like, don't worship idols. Can't you just do that? Just not worship idols and, 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 and then you would be prosperous. But you you worship idols out of fear and all this other stuff, and so now and you reject God, and so now you're suffering that consequence. And I'm like, man, if I was in the Old Testament, I'd be like rich and prosperous, and you know, it's so much, it's so easy. God, why these people? Pff, you know, it's like it's like when I watch these movies, these like my wife, sorry, babe, like makes me watch these like romantic comedies. They call them rom coms. You know, I'm like. I'm like, this is so st- This is melting my brain right now. I, I am not getting any smarter watching these things. It's like there's like the girl and, she, and you know it's like a you know it's like a love triangle. It's like there's the there's the good guy. He's perfect. He, you should go with him. And then there's like the guy who's kind of edgy and is kind of mean, but she likes him anyway. You know. And I'm like, well, just go with the good guy. It's so easy. You're like, why is this? A, why is this even a movie? Who wrote this? I mean, these Hallmark channels. I'm just like these Hallmark movies. I was like. I don't even know how they come up with this. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, oh, it'll be like, uh, you know, uh, a guy, he, this, this woman owns a candy store, but she's about to, she can't afford it anymore. And then the guy who's going to take it from bankruptcy, they fall in love. And then it's like, you know, it's just these weird, I'm like, oh, man. Help me, God. Sorry. That was a tangent. So, uh, so I'm not getting good, good vibes here. So, so, yeah, okay, let's keep going. So, I, wa- I read these things, I'm like, you know, the, God, it just seems so simple, and I, I just don't understand these Israelites who, you know, messed it all up. It just seemed like, why, what, what are they thinking? Like, they saw God come through again and again and again, but they just... They're just not totally convinced for some weird reason, and so they constantly mess up by allowing themselves to follow um, other things other than God. And, and because of that, it ruins their whole understanding. And, and, and so, you know, I, I think that the more I read it, though, the more I see the reflection of, this isn't really just about them, but I start seeing myself in these Israelites. Like, yeah, it might not be wooden carved images, but it could be something like position, money, materials, likes on social media, rom-coms, just kidding but i see i see like man where's my heart my heart's not following him like it always was called to do it's actually following something else and because of it i'm in this predicament and and i look at i look at jonah's story and i think man this guy is even worse than than most of the israelites i i just don't understand it you know it's it's a, it's considered one of the books uh the prophet the book of the Pro- the book of the prophets and uh, and and so you know it's a prophetic book. he's a prophet um, but it, it kind of turns you on its head. most most prophetic ber- uh, books of the Bible, uh, the books of the prophets, they, they, they start out the similar way that Jonah's does in, in Jonah 1.1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying. So it's like, this is how it starts. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's how most prophetic books will start, like in Habakkuk or whatever. And, you, and, and then they share the vision or they share the, the word of the Lord or you see them sharing what God's saying. Um, uh, that's, and that's how you're supposed to start reading. You're like, okay, yeah, this is a prophetic book. But then it turns it on its head. And it's like, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. Cry up against it for their wickedness has come before me. Go to the next one. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. You're like, oh wow, that took a left turn. I don't think I'm reading a prophetic book anymore. I'm now reading... You know, there's like a, you can't read every book of the Bible in the same lens. Uh, I believe all book, all, all, the whole Bible is inspired word of God. It's God's word, okay? But there's different, um, uh, uh, like it's a third of the Bible is poetic. There's uh, portions of the Bible that are apocryphic, uh you know, like end times, you know, eschatological, uh, written that way. Um, there's 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 historical accounts and all those and 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 this the Book of Jonah has like its own class. It's you know even on the conservative end of theologians, uh, some say that everything is absolutely literal that this is uh, a real uh, uh, outcome of. Of everything that happened, and and there's another view that says that yeah, this Jonah is a real character. It is written uh, uh, about what he was called to do, but it's mostly written kind of like a satire. Kind of like this guy is uh, because there's there's humor in it. There's there's disappointment in it. There's com- uh, there's there's uh, you know you have God's man. Disobeying God, and then later you find the sailors who are the heathens who are repenting before God and crying out to God. You know, it's like everything's turned on its head. Everything's massive. Everything's small. It's 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 kind of written in that in that fashion. Um, but I I I just I just I just think it's so funny because the 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 name Jonah actually means dove. And uh, Amittai actually means uh, 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 the, the son of Amittai is Amittai means faithfulness. So, so, Jonah, so the, it recognizes Jonah as the dove and son of faithfulness. But the only thing that Jonah represents as a dove is like every bird does when it's uh, fearful, it flees. So Jonah gets this word from God and is like, Pfft, I'm out. Now, there's different reasons why Jonah's running away. It says that, um, he, so he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. See, Jonah had a call on his life to do something that, that was a mission for him, but he rejected the mission for a couple reasons. One, uh, we have to understand who Nineveh is uh, Nineveh is a city that is in Assyria. Assyria was an enemy of Israel and Assyria uh, were known to be really evil uh, uh, country especially in, in terms of fighting they they would chop off their their uh, victims' heads um, and build you know pyramids out of them in the city so whenever you've went by the city, you knew it was the Assyrians who conquered it. Um, in the Assyrians' own pyramids, they would hang um, the dead bodies on the walls of their pyramids. Um, you know, uh, they, they skinned many of their victims alive. And so the Israelites had this not just, um, uh, you know, offense that they're an enemy, but this true, deep, bitter hatred for them. They're a definite enemy of Israel, and so you're, you're, if you're Israel, you're wishing their damnation. You're wishing that they, that, that that God destroys this horrible, evil city that do, that doesn't just uh, hurt other countries, but personally hurts their friends, their families. Probably many have died uh, in in the battles between Israel and Assyria, and so this city of Nineveh is the capital. Of Syria, And so now uh, Jonah, who his original call is to Israel. His original mission in life is to say the word of the Lord to Israel, to the king of Israel. That's what he did. God is asking him to do something outside the box, something that would be totally crazy for him. God says, go to your enemy, the people that you really have a hard time loving, you don't love at all, you hate them, and uh, and tell them that uh, they need to repent. And so Jonah does something that is not immorally wrong. It's not like he loses his whole concept of what's right and wrong. He does something that anyone at that time could do. He like takes, buys a ticket to go somewhere else. It's not like he lost who he was. It's not like he just... You know, it was like, you know, you have some Christian friends that, you know, might, might have been coming to church and they kind of lost their identity, maybe they got hurt, maybe, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're like, you see them, you know, they're getting drunk all the time or they're doing things that are immoral and you're like, man, are you okay? Like, it's obvious, right? Like, they're not okay. But then there's those people who, they just aren't doing what God called them to do. It's like God's like, Hey, I want you to take this job, or hey, I want you to go into this field, or hey, I want you to, to love on this person. I want you to be a friend to this person. Hey, I want you to, that, that person, that neighbor that you hate or, you know, is really offending you all the time, you know, and, you know, I want you to become friends with them. And you're like, mm mm. <laughs> I love you, God. I'll do, you know, all this other stuff, but that's, no, sorry, Call, ask someone else. I've been praying that they move. I'm not befriending them, okay? So let's give you context in, in, in the map of where Jonah is when he receives this word, where Nineveh is, and then where Tarshish is. So, so Jonah uh, is, is, is right kind of at the bottom of that arrow, right above Joppa, and he goes down to Joppa, buys a ticket, and instead of going 550 miles to Nineveh, which would have been very you know, close, he goes to the exact opposite end of the earth. That was the last port you could take west. That's the final destination of the earth at that time, the, the known earth. He goes 1,950 miles the opposite direction. Well, 2,500 miles, the opposite direction. And so, so we have Jonah doing what he's, uh, what is morally okay, but against what God's called him to do. All right, let's keep reading. You guys okay? All right. So we're gonna do some, some more reading here. Uh, John 1, 4, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. And then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo which was, into the, uh, which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, lain down and fallen sound asleep. I remember when I was, um, you know, uh, when I was, uh, uh, I was a young man. I was on fire for the Lord, 14, 15, 16. Um, I encountered Jesus Christ and I was doing missions trips to Africa. I went to about six different African nations um, because I was on fire for the Lord. And then I, uh, my fire fizzled out. I I fell in lust. I I got into all this other stuff. I decided to go into a career and 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 run away from God's call on my life. I just I saw the things of the world so attractive and I just wanted to do those things and, and and they weren't, you know Technically, they were like what everyone else in society was doing. And so I started doing that. And I remember actually finding myself in a career and in a low place and, and God reminding me of my call because I, I used to read these books. Um, I used to love reading missionary books like William Carey and, um, and Jim Elliott, who like laid their lives down for the gospel. And, uh, and I remember writing a letter to the Lord in a journal just saying, God, you know, I, I'll be a good person, but I'm not... This isn't what, I'm not going to be able to do what you've called me to do or what you've asked me to do. And I kind of like wrote him a letter saying I can't do it. And uh, I remember that because I found it years later. Um, and, and I was living a life that was okay, but it wasn't what God actually called me to do. And, and I got into a darker and darker and darker and darker place. And I found myself in this crazy, horrible Scenario And many of you who know my testimony, I got saved out of a bar. Like someone came years later, found me in a bar on Thanksgiving night, spoke God's word over my life, and I experienced God, and I was like, I'm never going back. But before that moment, I was in dark places that I'm not gonna tell you about because I don't wanna give God, I don't wanna give Satan that kind of glory. But I was in such dark places, I remember my body, my physical body shaking, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit being like, you're not supposed to be here. And me telling my body and the Lord, no, I wanna be here. And you know why I felt like my body was probably shaking? Because I had a mom who prayed for me all the time. Like if she tried to tell me what was the right thing to do, I wouldn't listen to her. But because she uh, prayed for me, she knew that God was after me. And I want to just encourage you that, you know, I I often think that sometimes God puts people on our path, not because we're just so great, but because there's someone else praying that God would send someone to that server or that, you know, uh, uh, a gas station attendant, whoever it is, that they're in your way. And you're like, you know what? It's not because you're so great. It's because God's sending you because you're right there. And um, so... I found myself in this crazy storm in my life. Now I think that, you know, some people think that everything that good happens is God and everything that bad happens is the devil. And that is a general rule of thumb. You can be like, you know, that's good. But you know, sometimes there are storms that God creates to wake you up. And here's a storm that God created so that Jonah, see, Jonah thought he could uh, run from God's presence, but you can't hide from God's presence. You can't. Even if you make your bed in hell, God will find you. I, I remember when I was, uh, when Ruth and I got married, I had, um, I have twins um, who, were, who were nine years old at the time. Um, my son's name is Giovanni. My daughter's name is Juliana. And, um, and they're uh, 17 now. But, um, you know, those of you know my story, uh, which I've, I've told before, but I, People come and go, so I don't know yet. So I'm just kind of re-mentioning it, and um, and I, my twins love my wife Ruth, and and she loves them. Actually, when when they when when Ruth uh, really met them, she said, and and she got married to me. She said, um, "Listen, guys, um, I'm not going to replace your mom. Your mom loves you. You have a great mom," uh, she said. But I don't like the connotation that stepmom has has been given to a lot of people. So she goes, I'm just gonna, you can just call me your bonus mom. I'll just be like the bonus mom. And, uh, and they love her and she loves them and they have a great relationship to this day. And, um, but I remember, you know, I'm, 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 in, the, I'm in the house and I'm, I, get, I go to the trash can and I'm trying to um, put something in the trash. Now when guys, uh, there's a difference between when guys, dads think the trash is full and moms think the trash is full. See, for me, the trash isn't full because you can push that bad boy down really hard. And then, you know, it's also how much can you balance? You know, it's not when it's flush, it's when it's overflowing. And so for me, it's like Jenga. It's like, if you're the last one to put it on there and it falls, you gotta take it out. You know, that's, and, um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm managing. I'm like, oh, I can't, uh, all right. I'm gonna have to take this trash out. And so I'm about to take it out and I realize I got nine-year-old twins. I got my son right here. I'm like, it's time to you know, show some chores here, you know? So uh, I said, I said, uh, I call him Gio. I said, hey, Gio. I said, I want you to take the trash out. And he's watching TV. He's like, okay, Dad. He doesn't move. I'm like, Giovanni, I want you to take the trash out. Yeah, Dad, I got it. I got it. And now I'm getting, like, my, my Italian's getting on. I'm like, okay. All right. Hey, Giovanni, I want you to take this trash out now. He goes, okay, dad, and he gets up and he's looking at the TV and he's moving in the direction, but he's still engaged, you know? And my wife, God bless her, she, you know, she was prepping a meal or something and she turns and she looks at him and she goes, Giovanni, delayed obedience is disobedience. It struck me. It was like, how often do I say yes to God and I do nothing? It's like, I know, I know the right answer. I'm like, God's like, yeah, Paul, I want you to do this. I'm like, yep, you got it, God. And I just don't do anything different. I think that sometimes the storms that are in our lives that are raging is not because we're just unlucky, but sometimes it's because we've actually disobeyed the calling of God on our life and God's just waiting for us to wake up. You guys Okay. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to go into full-time ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what God's called you to do, what he's called you to your family or to your your spouse or to your your workplace or to be Jesus everywhere you go. It's not about um, uh, what we can uh, attain and about what we can amass and all these other stuff. It's actually about the Jesus Christ living in you and and the kingdom of God advancing. And And I have this vision that God would save Albuquerque, you know, uh, not to be a downer on Albuquerque, I, I, we've fallen in love with the area. But you know, when I'm in Pennsylvania uh, and Ruth and I, she's from Australia, and and our next destination is Australia. That's what we thought. You know, we're like, hey, when those borders open, if 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 where PA doesn't work out, we're going to go to Australia because we have family there and and we love it there. And 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 we get this call to go to Albuquerque. And Australia is about, you know, three times the further distance, or at least. And and we knew that if we chose to go to Australia, then go to the call of God of Albuquerque on our lives, that our lives would actually be worse off. It would be harder to live a life against God's calling than to live a life for God's calling, even though in reality, it looks hard. I had this man who came up to me in our church last night and, and he said, Paul, I, I want you to know, I, I got the, we, you know, my family got this job offer on the East Coast. It was amazing. It was more than we could ever think or imagine and it was so enticing. But the Lord said, we've called you here. And so he goes, so I just said, we can't take this job offer. Even though it's like an answer to so many other prayers, it's not where we're called. And in his wisdom, working with the Lord, he realized that he needs to go where he's called. Because where you're called is where you'll be prosperous. And where you're called. And so, so, so um, Jonah understands the response he needs to give. In verse uh, 7 uh, they, well, let's skip down to verse eight. They said to him, tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? They're like, man, why is God destroying our ship? They, they realize that this is not a normal scenario and, and, and this was out of the blue. They're like, who are you that, some, that, that there is a supernatural event occurring that's making us almost drown? Tell us, what, what's going on? And he said to them his identity. He said, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God who made heaven and the sea and the dry land. Then the man became extremely frightened and they said, what, what do we do for this? For the, for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do so that, you may, so that the sea may be calm, calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea and then the sea will be calm for you for I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. So the men, they were so scared to hurt the man of God, they didn't wanna do that. They're like, well, let's try something else. So they rowed desperately to return to land, but they could not for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. And then they called on the Lord and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life but do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done, us, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Now, as we know later, uh, Jonah uh, gets swallowed by a big fish and uh, is in the belly of the fish three days, three nights, and he finally comes to grips with the actual call of God on his life. God would not let him run from his calling. God would not let him run from his purpose, even though he wanted to give up, even though he had all this hatred towards the Ninevites, even though he judged them. And listen, when you start judging people and, and, and people groups and, and uh, 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 types and start categorizing people, you actually start building walls. And you start fencing yourself in. So now you can no longer reach the people that you've judged. I remember, I remember, I remember like, you know, walking down the street and wanting to minister to someone and, and, and they're, man, they're, they're just so in a place of despair. I remember them smoking and they're like, they look like they're drunk and I'm like, God, you're gonna have to do all these things before I can even, you know, like I was judging who they were just by what they were doing instead of actually going, you know what? God's asked me to do it and I'm just gonna love on them anyway and, and reach out and love them. It's like once we judge them, it's hard to encounter them. It's hard to love them. So suspend your judgment. Jesus loves everyone. God loves everyone. And so I'm not saying, you know, don't call sin not sin. Sin is sin. But I'm saying love people in spite of their sin. Let the Lord use you in spite of the Circumstance that that person might be going through because God wants to use you. All right. Um, so Nineveh has 120,000 people. There are evil people. The king is evil. They disobey God. They're like, you know, the evil place of uh, Lord of the Rings. What's that called? Mordor or Mordor? Or, uh, yeah. And, and so it's like, that's the scenario. It's like, hey, Jonah, we're calling you to that place. It's like, oh. And so he's, he's going there and, uh, and, and, and he, he says, okay, God, I'll do it. And so God spits him out into his destiny. Now listen, no matter how far down the, the road you've gotten away from your calling, if you repent and if you say, God, okay, I'll let you use me and I'll be faithful and do what you want to do, he will supernaturally put you where you need to be. He'll spit you out. I remember when, I, when I, I, I got my life back, I was serving the Lord, I loved Jesus, I was doing everything I could while I was working at Verizon Communications. I worked for them for, for years. And, uh, and um, I kept telling my brother, I was like, uh, my brother carpooled with me because it was about an hour drive each way. And, and, uh, and there was this point where I knew God was calling me to ministry school, but I knew it was financially impossible because I had all these other commitments uh, to you know, continue to support my children and all this other stuff. And, and so he just got so tired of me talking about it, how it was impossible for me to go to ministry school. He said, Paul, why don't you just prove God wrong? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, why don't you just literally put, it's, it's, it's finances, right? Why don't you put everything on paper and show God how you cannot do this? Have you ever done that? I said, no, I haven't done that. It's a brilliant idea. I'll prove God wrong. That was a Friday I go for the weekend. I'm like, now I wouldn't tell anyone as a pastor, you know, the the financial decisions I had made to make this happen. You know, I'm like, you know, only if God tells you to do it, do it. Because um, I, I... I was being drastic because I was just gonna prove God wrong. So I was like, well, I had, had a bunch of savings that over the years working at Verizon, I was like, if I liquidated all those savings and, and if I, um, uh, in my retirement, um, and I said, if I, and I found a, a, room, uh, a roommate that, there was five roommates and I would be sharing a small room with another person who I had no idea, and so it's only like 150, 200 bucks a month. I was like, okay, I could, if I did that, and if I ate rice and beans every day, and, uh, and, and so on Monday, you know, we're driving in. So my brother said, so did you do it? I said, yeah, I said, I did it? He goes, well, I said, well, I'd be poor. <laughs> Definitely I'd be poor, but technically it's possible. He said, well, now you know it's possible. You just have to decide whether you want to obey or not. I said, uh What's so amazing is the moment I said yes, God opened up the, all these doors that supernaturally provided for me to go two years of ministry school and a third year internship, it totally changed my life, and I couldn't have never seen that coming unless I said yes to what I thought was impossible, but it was actually God's calling for my life. So here he's spit up on the land and he has the worst sermon I could ever have put together. Jonah says like five words, like you have 40 days or you're gonna be turned over. That's all he says. Now what's crazy about this is you could have the best sermon and if God's not in it, nothing will happen. I've heard the best evangelists so eloquent, so awesome. So, but the power of God was not there to convict power of God was not there to to transform. And people just walked away. Like their ears and eyes were closed. And then I've seen people have the worst sermon. I'm sitting there, I'm like cringing. Because it's just like, you're just not saying it perfect. And all these people give their lives to Jesus. And I'm like, that was God. (laughs) Wow. See, some of us were waiting to be qualified before we go to our anointing or our calling, but the reality is, is God qualifies you. If he was looking for someone perfect, then he'd pick, you know, he, there's only one, Jesus, he's perfect, there, he wouldn't be able to pick anyone if he was waiting for the perfect person. Actually, the more, the more unprepared, the more like disqualified you are, it's like God's like, yeah, I'll pick you because that means it, I'm gonna get the glory. People, the people who really know who I am are like, Paul's doing what? That's God. (laughs) That's absolutely God. So it's really important that we don't put confines on ourselves or on God of what we do. So Jonah says the worst sermon uh, in the history of evangelism, you have 40 days or you will be overturned. And for some reason, every, the, the presence of God convicts everyone. And the king is like tearing his clothes. And the, all the people are repenting and pouring ashes on themselves, repenting to, to Yahweh, the God, You know, the, the, uh, our God, uh, Jonah's God. It says that there's so much repentance that the cows are repenting I mean, that's a miracle. I just got a puppy, and I'm, in, I'm like, you need to repent. Because, hey, you got, a, you got a little demon in you, buddy. I don't know what's going on here. You need to give your life to Jesus. I want to see that happen. It's like the cows are repenting. You got to be blown. And Jonah, I don't think Jonah, see, my, my thing is, I think God, Jonah was like, okay, God, I'll do it. But I don't think he, his heart was really in it. That's why I think he gave the worst sermon because I think he had judged the Ninevites so much that he couldn't love them anymore. And so he did it just out of obedience, but God was on it. So this whole city, 120,000, one of the greatest revivals that you could read of in the Bible happens through a guy who didn't love him, but was obedient. And God, God made sure he, he fulfilled that calling. And I don't know, I just feel like there's a call on this house for the city of Albuquerque. There was a city in the Bible, Nineveh, got saved in one moment. Man, I have faith that God could save the city of Albuquerque. But he's not, yeah, come on. But any judgments we've made about this city, we need to repent about like the city's got too much crime, it's got too much homelessness, the, the political landscape's just impossible to navigate, the, the, like all the judgments, all the excuses, all the things that we've, we've, we've honestly, I mean, it, they're actually true. Like they might physically be true. But because we've made these judgments, it's now boxed us in from actually loving and pushing past it. And so I, I feel like we need to repent of any judgments we made about this city so that we can see them as Jesus sees them, even though the, we might be right in our judgments so that we can see this city safe for Jesus. It starts with us. It starts with us waking up. Man, I don't, look, if, if, this, if there could be a crazier, I don't, I don't know how this storm of society, whatever could be any crazier right now. Like maybe not all of it is the devil. You know, I was praying for years before 2020. I was like, God, would you just shake what needs to be shaken so that what remains needs to remain? Now I'm like, I, God was probably like, are you sure? It's like, look, there's a remnant here. There's, there's, a, there's, there's what shook, shook, so what remains is real. Is authentic, is true, is pure. God doesn't need thousands or tens of thousands of people to save a city. Look, if we, if, if, I'm just going to estimate here. I don't know how many people come to our church or not because, you know, there's rotation going on right now with vacations and all that stuff. But let's just say 300 people come here. If every one of us saved one person a year, this city would just get radically saved that would just be multiplied. And I'm not talking about so that they come to our church. I really don't care about building this congregation to massive people and be like, look at us, we're so big. Who cares about that? Let's care about the kingdom. Let's bring people to Jesus. I wanna see people transform. I, I was I had a meeting with someone Saturday morning We were just for breakfast and God put it on, I don't do this every time, but God just put it on my heart to start praying for our server. So I'm in the car praying for the server. I don't even know what that person's going to look like. I didn't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl. I like, you know, I had like a, uh, I just made up, you know, a, a picture of someone. But I was just praying for them. It wasn't what they looked like in the in the restaurant. But but I just like praying for them that God would bless them, that God would pursue them, that that they would just come to know You. And 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 I get this this name. I get Fran. And I'm like, well, I wonder if our server's Fran or if they know a Fran or you know. And and so. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not prophetic. I'm not a prophet. I just want people. Look, I think Jesus is a great evangelist. And I think if you just step out, he'll, he'll back you up because I've just seen it so many times. So our server comes, not a great server because I didn't get his name. He didn't give me his name. I didn't realize that till the end of it. You know, I'm, I'm, he was a good server, but you know how most servers like, hi, I'm Joe. It's good to see y'all. And... Uh, he, he didn't do that, it was busy, so it's fine. But at the end, the, the, the check was coming, and I just said, hey, uh, I, I didn't know his name, but I said, hey, has anyone told you Jesus loves you today? He goes, ah, yeah. I was like, oh, someone told you Jesus loves you today? He's like, well, not today. I was like, awesome, I get to be the first person. Do you know Jesus loves you so much? And actually, I was praying for you on my way here. I didn't know who was going to be uh, our server today, but I just, I just felt that I should pray for our server, so I was praying for you. And I got this name friend. Is, is your name friend? Is a friend anyone meet, name friend? You know. And he goes, "That's my sister." And I just saw his eyes kind of like tear up, and I'm like, "Well." God's got a destiny on, on Fran and, and I'm and I'm just speaking, you know, uh, 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 love on him and, and 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 just that God's after him. And you know what I did is I gave God a seed that I found out later, his name's Nathaniel. I gave God a seed. The Holy Spirit's gonna work with all day. So now he's gotta deal with that. So I'm gonna be like, God, you sent someone to prophesy over me, to, to love on me, to to know that this is you, because they knew my sister's name. It's like this is radical stuff. What, what are we doing? We're loving a city. And if each one of us reaches out, we can see a city transform. So I wanna just invite you guys to stand. I know that so many people here love Jesus and are so active in our church, and I'm so grateful for pouring your lives out into the city. It's already happening. I'm not saying that we're not doing this, but I just feel like, corporately, even in my own life, that we need to just wake up and step out of the boat and stop going into the morally okay, we're fine, but we're actually not doing what we were called to do. And so, I would love to pray for you guys. And while I'm praying, ministry team, if, if you wanna come up um, and stand here with your, um, I would just wanna invite you now. But as I pray for you, I just want the Holy Spirit to just remind you again who you're called to be, just as Jonah had to be reminded who he was, that you're a son, you're a daughter of God, that he loves you, that he wants to connect with you, that he wants to use you. And I just want to come to Jesus again. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would move through this room, that you would remind us who we are, who we're called to be. God, that we could see this city saved, that we could see our families saved, that we could see lives transformed. God, I pray that you would awaken us. God, if we're in a boat just going the wrong direction, maybe it was 10 years ago we made this decision and we just haven't, and we're asleep in the bow of the boat and all the storm is breaking out. God, would you awaken us to our first love? to our first calling, then we'd be brave enough to take that step, even if it looks like we're jumping into the sea, that we would trust you, that you would bring us supernaturally to the place we need to be. We give our lives to you, Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would put people in our path that we could love on, that you would remind us how to share the gospel with them. And if there's nothing we can say, would you just remind us to share our testimony? How you redeemed our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bless our church, that you would bless the people of our church for the gospel, that we wouldn't forget our first love. We love you, God. We thank you. Lord, if you're commissioning people right now, would you put it on their hearts? Say, this message was for you. God, would you put that on their heart right now and so that they would, uh, that it would resonate and that they would be able to come forward and receive prayer to come into agreement with the word you've given this morning. We love you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name, amen.